Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Mark Replacements Advisory Board Chair, L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on all things startups. The Platform Podcast features conversations with founders, operators, and experts tackling a myriad of topics facing the marketplace and sharing economy startup ecosystem. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not professional advice. For specific issues, please seek an appropriate professional or contact us at info at marketplacerisk.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Elle. Hello, and welcome back to the Platform Podcast. I have a very special guest today, who is Josh Nickel, who is Vice President of the Equipment Segment of the American Rental Association. Josh, welcome to the Platform Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm very excited to talk to you because uh, people might actually think, well, what on earth has he got to do with marketplaces and risk and sharing economy and gig economy? But actually, the world of rental has really crossed over into our world of marketplaces recently. And I'm really interested to hear about what you do and also where we can kind of meet in the middle with this because rental I think is something that people are really used to hearing about and is the kind of like the old school version of actually what a lot of us are doing with our marketplace startups here on the other side but first of all tell me a bit about the American Rental Association what it actually does. Sure totally Um, so the American Rental Association was designed back in the 50s and it's the association for the equipment and event rental industry. Uh, So if you think about places where you might hire a digger or rent an excavator, or if you're having a wedding or big event, um, you would rent your stuff from a a rental company. And and I like what you said there because you use the term rental um, because that's what existed back in the 50s was the term rental. But really, we're professionalized sharing. Um, Most rental businesses, especially when the rental industry was getting started, and it being a relatively young industry, was entrepreneurs like say a contractor who had more equipment that they needed um, and realized that why do I have this equipment just sitting here when other people need it and maybe I could make some money sharing it with other people and and we called it rental because rent to own existed and some other rental economies existed and we didn't have some of these fancy terms uh, like the sharing economy or product Hmm. as a service Um, but yeah that's kind of how how we got started and those are the industries we serve so we do things like advocacy risk management um, education certifications all the things that a, a normal association would do to support its membership and going back to the 1950s and i know that you and i have talked about this um separately as well about the origins of rental what were the motivators for people to you know i mean obviously for an event it's a kind of like you know occasional use thing it makes sense to rent but with other things what were the motivators for people to to rent items instead of owning them because these days a lot of the motivation is to maybe lead a more sustainable life but I imagine in the 1950s that that wasn't part of it at all. No um, uh, unfortunately we didn't start the rental industry with sustainability in mind and we kind of fell into the fact that it's it's a pretty sustainable option. It was more so just access to stuff. Uh, I mean if you think about you know hundreds of years ago people shared farm equipment And so rental, especially when you talk about the equipment rental side, 
um, it is just professionalized version of, of sharing. So you had contractors with equipment and it was sitting and they didn't use it all the time. And, and if you think about your average contractor, let's say a electrician or plumber, what are they great at? They're great at building. Uh, they're great at plumbing. They're great at electrical. They're not necessarily asset managers. And when you start owning equipment, there's a lot of other complexities that you have to start to deal with, whether it be replacement cycles, maintenance, uh, safety certifications, logistics and deliveries and pickups. And it adds a lot of complexity your, to your business. Plus, when you own something, you're stuck with just that one thing. You know, we see this a lot in the sharing economy. People want access to other things. You know, you might need, uh, let's say it's camping gear. You might need a tent for two and a small camping setup for one weekend, but you might want something totally different for a couple months later when you're going with a bunch of friends. And it's kind of the same in the equipment world. You know, you might need a digger that only digs five feet deep one day that actually can fit through a doorway. And another day you might need a really big one. And owning a piece of equipment that does everything is complicated and expensive. Uh, but when you can rent it or share it between contractors, it allows those contractors to have access to a much bigger inventory, which means that they can take different jobs or more jobs than just the stuff that their their current equipment is set up to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Now, I'm going to ask you something. You're the perfect person to ask this because this is something I get asked quite a lot as somebody, um, you know, that is immersed in the sharing economy. And it's around the definition and, you know, you're kind of from the other side, from the rental side. And I think, um, you know, this, this is, this, you're the perfect person to um, decide this. Now, when you have the classic bike rental companies, and, and this was actually what was considered the sharing economy a few years ago, they hit the news, they're big in China. And then we saw the, these big headlines saying the sharing economy has failed and they had piles of bikes and all the rest of it. I couldn't help thinking, how is that the sharing economy? Somebody owns all these bikes and they're just renting mm -hmm. it out. To me, that's a, the rental economy. And the sharing economy is when individuals have an item and they, they lend it to each other, um, you know, for money or for not money. That's the, the sharing element. What to you is, stop, where does the sharing economy stop and rental start for you? And what do you think about the, the classic sort of like, you know, bikes in, in the city? Do you think that's sharing economy or not? That's really interesting. And, and I think some of that depends on um, your use case. And so when I say sharing economy, sometimes I'll use uh, the term professionalized sharing economy. Not that other types of sharing aren't professionalized, but we have a professional middle person in the middle of the sharing economy and rental because equipment is complicated. Um, one of the things that we have found is it's hard for contractors to just share equipment between each other because there's maintenance issues, there's safety issues. Uh, they don't need it all of the time. So they like the idea of, of having access versus ownership, which is kind of what I would look at as the sharing economy, but with equipment in particular um, or event stuff that's needed less frequently, it, it makes sense to have one person who kind of houses that in the middle, make sure that it's maintained, make sure that it's ready to go, professionally shares it between the different people who need it. So it's still the contractors in most cases who are sharing the equipment, but it's the rental company who is being the facilitator or being the middle person for that. And so that's why I kind of ascribe rental back to the sharing economy because most rental companies aren't using their stuff. 
Um, mm -hmm. They're really there to support contractors using their stuff and sharing that equipment. And so um, I don't know if that's a fair definition, but that's how I relate it back yeah. to the sharing economy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the, and the benefits are, are really very similar, if if not the same, aren't they? Because you've an, an item is getting multiple uses by multiple mm -hmm. different people. So if, you know, if it's done, as you say, involving a, a middle person or it's directly peer to peer, it's almost like it doesn't really matter. Right. I would agree. And I think when uh, you talk about peer to peer versus a professional facilitator in between, that just comes down to complexity, economies of scale. Some items share really well without something in the middle, something that uh, is easy to maintain, that doesn't have a whole lot of wear and tear, that doesn't have safety issues. It, it's a lot easier to share that just straight peer to peer, whereas something that's more complex or has um, you know, uh, issues that can arise, it helps to have somebody in the middle who's maintaining that for you. And so that's kind of what the rental company does. Mm -hmm. I mean, one case of, of this came up recently in the news, and I, I don't expect you to be an expert in, in um, fashion sharing economy, although you might be Josh. <laughs> but, um, and this was the idea that, that actually fashion rental wasn't particularly good for the planet, whereas peer-to-peer fashion sharing was and and this came up in a lot of headlines there were a lot of articles about it and basically the case here was that fashion rental companies where they own the inventory and there was a lot of dry cleaning and shipping going on that you know that there wasn't quite such a case for sustainability there because of the you know the shipping and the dry cleaning and all this stuff whereas if it was a case of drop round the dress to your neighbor who you've accessed via an app this was a much more sort of you know gentle thing but at the same time a lot of these apps um you know do need to have that inventory on you know on their platforms so that people have the choice so do you think that's a hard um a hard balance to to get there between that sort of inventory rental stock and the peer-to-peer -peer? do you think it's fair enough for companies to sort of do a bit of both I think that, that the uh, fashion industry is a great example because clothes are something that is easier to share between people because as long as you didn't rip it, tear it, or stain it, it's relatively in the same condition. It's not going to injure you. There's no, there's no real safety issues with something like fashion. Um, and, and to your point, shipping is a complexity. Whereas, interestingly enough, when you look at equipment rental, one of the things that makes it a more sustainable solution than ownership is that rental companies are better at logistics. Um, rental companies usually house the equipment in a centralized location that's accessible for a lot of areas where contractors would need it. And then they move it more efficiently than a contractor would. So a contractor might have a piece of equipment that's sitting on their job site that they own, and it's just sitting there kind of wasting away. The elements are taking its toll, the time is taking its toll. So you have that part of it, but you also have the logistics and movement part of it. When a contractor, is trying to move a piece of equipment from one job to another job site. They're having to have drivers. They're having to have trucks and fleets and other things to manage that. And they're just moving that one piece of equipment in a lot of cases to another job site and letting it sit there. Whereas a rental company is really looking at that more like a professionalized shipping company would where we're not just going to take one piece of equipment to one job site in most cases. We're going to load up 
multiple pieces of equipment from multiple contractors first thing in the morning. We're going to drop it off at multiple job sites in an efficient route. Then we're going to, on our way back, we're going to pick up multiple pieces of equipment in an efficient route and bring it back to the shop. So instead of that one piece of equipment going out to that one job site and then that driver going back, you have an efficient delivery of multiple items. And so for us, shipping is actually one of the ways that we're more efficient than ownership. Mm. So is it a case of maybe looking at different industries? And although there's a sharing economy evangelists and probably you know, could describe myself as that, but, you know, say, you know, the sharing economy can disrupt every industry. Um, that is not really a case of that. It's more a case of looking at the individual industry and saying, well, you know, maybe there is a way of, you know, bringing access into ownership, uh, instead of ownership into the model, but it might not be a peer-to-peer model. It might not be sharing economy. It could be that rental fits this industry better. And, you know, and that way, you know, it's it's a bit more open to interpretation. Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it. And I think that's something that changes over time, too. I mean, if you want to fast forward way into the future when we have autonomous machines, maybe even machines that can repair themselves or go back to the manufacturer themselves to repair themselves, you could share more peer-to-peer because the equipment itself is handling some of the logistics and some of the maintenance for you rather than having to have somebody on your team that manages the logistics and the maintenance. So if we consider the rental economy or rental in general to be the kind of like wise old uncle of the sharing economy, what can this wise old (laughs) uncle that I'm just picturing now, um, what can what can he or she um, teach us about, you know, the, the problems that can occur and what can what can these startups learn from basically something that's been going for for quite a long time already? And, you know, I feel that there's a lot we can tap into um, as we go along this way, because I think a lot of sort of sharing economy people might think that, you know, they're they're coming at this for the first time and this is new, which for, you know, it it can be, but what, what can we learn? Yeah, I'm a big fan of borrowing ideas from other industries. And I think that the, um, the sharing economy, as you describe it, can borrow a lot of ideas from the more traditional versions of the rental industry. I don't know if we're the, the wise old aunt or uncle, but we've been doing it a while. <laughs> um, and, and we also deal with, as we've talked about, something that, that typically is more complex than what you're, you're more often sharing. Um, and, and because of that, we have had to solve for a lot of things. So like, you know, I know we've talked before about how to handle damages. And I know when you talk to a lot of, uh, sharing economy platforms and you think about sharing the, the biggest fear is what happens if something goes wrong? What happens if something gets damaged? And those are things that we've had to solve for at scale and, and a complex scale in the rental industry that other sharing groups could borrow from us. For example, um, you know, I I know what most people think of when they think of sharing, and I'll I'll tell my favorite rental joke in the process of that. So (laughs) my favorite rental joke is, do you know what the best off-road car, truck, or vehicle on the market is? You know, it could be a pickup truck or a Jeep and or a car. And I'm sure everybody pictures something in their mind. And the joke of that is that the best off-road vehicle on the market is a rental car. Um, because it's rented, right? And that's what people think of. But, you know, realistically, most people treat stuff that they're borrowing from others and from companies really pretty well. 
Um, mm -hmm. They want to, you know, as long as it comes out to them in good condition, it looks like it's in good condition, it works well, they treat it like that. Now, if you send them something that looks like it's a piece of junk, then they probably do treat it like a piece of junk. But we know that in most cases, even when you're dealing with very expensive, very complex equipment, that the people who are utilizing that are doing it and, and trying to do it really well. And then we've created things on top of that, like what we might call damage waiver or loss damage waiver, where we're not really insuring customers, but we are um, limiting the cost if something goes wrong. You know, especially when you're talking about construction equipment, it is, you know, a tough environment. You know, the stuff is out there digging in the dirt, pushing rocks, knocking things down, cutting things up. Um, and it's, it's a tough environment. So there's that fear that, well, what if something goes wrong and I damage something or from the rental company's perspective, what if the customer damages something? And we know statistically that it doesn't happen a whole lot. And then we provide additional levels of service to give you a better peace of mind so that say you take the damage waiver coverage, which waives any damages you cause to that piece of equipment, either accidentally or unintentionally. And now you have an additional service on top that is both profitable for the rental company, but also if you pitch it right and support it right, is, is a good um, customer service model for the customer too, because they've got that peace of mind. And if something does go wrong and, and you handle it well and you take care of them because they have that damage waiver coverage, it makes for a high quality customer experience. It makes them comfortable coming back next time, you know, because a lot of people don't want to damage your stuff and they would feel terrible if they brought it back. But if it's a pleasurable experience they have on renting, next time they think about, do I buy that or rent it? You know, even if something goes wrong, I know I'm being taken care of by the person sharing it to me or renting it to me. I think there's a lot of things like that that we've had to solve for because we've been around for a while and we deal with complexity that you know, more newer startups in the sharing economy can say, well, how does the rental industry do it? And then what can I take away from that and utilize in my own business? That's, that's brilliant. You know, it's fascinating. I mean, yeah, I'm absolutely about cars. I don't think I ever scream at my kids more than when they're trying to sort of eat something messy in the back of a rental car. I mean, it's just sort of, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I certainly let them get away a lot, you know, with a lot more when it's our own things um you've got this fantastic bird's eye view in your position at the american rental association to see you know what's happening in in this space and we talk a lot in the sharing economy about how you know we're seeing new startups coming in and and doing you know new things we're like, oh gosh i never thought of that you know that's completely new are you seeing as much innovation in the rental sector are you seeing new startups coming in and and industry is being disrupted by rental just as much as we're seeing that in the sharing and gig economy. Yeah, I am. It's not always called rental. Uh, for example, I was talking to somebody today who does uh, technology to help make mowers autonomous for landscapers. And they're trying to decide, you know, am I a rental company? Am I a technology company? Do I offer product as a service? Um, uh, solutions as a service, software as a service. They're, they're often looking at new terminology because rental doesn't always have the best connotation. Um, and what speaks best to the customer in that rental? So, you know, we're starting to see things like uh, robotics rental. We're seeing uh, industries that might traditionally lease something consider a rental model because in a lease model, if it goes down, you have to send it back. Um, or if it needs warranty work, or if it needs repair, you have to send it back or wait on somebody to do that. In a rental model, 
you're always getting new stuff, you know, and if something goes wrong or something breaks or something just needs general maintenance, you're not ever down. You're getting a new piece of equipment to replace that other piece of equipment. And so even companies that would traditionally lease realize, you know, why am I becoming an asset manager here when, you know, I'm an Amazon warehouse and I really just need to efficiently ship packages, not deal with maintaining forklifts and maintaining floor maintenance stuff and building maintenance stuff. I can get all that and somebody else can manage all of that complexity for me and I can only have access when I need it. Um, you know, I think that opens up a lot more opportunities for people to consider what else could I share or rent, especially when you talk about a commercial application, which I think rental falls more often in a commercial application setting than a um, individual, although we do serve the DIY market and people working around their house and stuff. Mm -hmm. You touched on connotations there. What, why is there a negative connotation around rental? Well, particularly in the US, um, we've always been an ownership economy. You own your house, you own your car, you own your boat, uh, you own your excavator. You want to own everything. That was the way to success uh, in the States. And that was a mindset. And so whenever you couldn't afford to buy something, that's when you rented in the past. And, and really a lot of the rental industry around here uh, goes back to the rent to own industry where you might rent a TV or rent a couch you couldn't afford. And, and those industries I would consider to be unfortunately a little bit more predatory in a lot of cases. They're taking advantage of people who can't afford something or shouldn't be buying something and trying to show them low payments on how you can have it now. Um, whereas I wouldn't necessarily see rental falling into that same category. But even when we talk to, say, lawmakers who are, are working on laws that surround rental, that's one of the first things that we have to tackle is we're not trying to take advantage of anybody. We're actually trying to do something that's more efficient and better for a contractor, not say, hey, contractor, I'm going to make more money off of you because you can't afford to buy this right now. I, yeah, I see the, the yeah, that there's very much that sort of, yeah, um, assumption, I suppose, in people's mind when, when we talk about these things. How can, I suppose, what I want to know is how can the sharing economy and, and the world of, of rental work together generally, but also maybe to make sure that these um, uh, stigmas maybe um, vanish uh, because this is something I think we all need to, you know, need to get on board with. Absolutely. And I think that is changing. I know it's changing in the U.S. and I hear it more globally. The circular economy is becoming more important. Sustainability is becoming more important. Sharing has gotten to a place where people you know, appreciate that idea. And so I think it's it's tying some of those things back to it that that helps people make that connection and understand that, you know, maybe there are other solutions to it. You know, even going back to, you know, uh, marketplace risk and thinking about people who are trying to grow a platform. You know, one of the things that I have seen uh, be successful for companies that are kind of bridging that gap is, you know, one of the hardest things for a new marketplace is you have to have supply and you have to have demand. And which comes first? Because the, the person who has lots of supply on the platform but no demand can't really do anything. And if, if somebody is wanting, you, you mentioned clothing, if they can't find access to the type of clothes that they're looking for because there's not enough supply on the platform, that creates an issue. And one way to bridge that gap is to even just start 
with a little bit more rental and then transition into sharing. So I've seen some companies where that's what they'll do. They'll have their own stock or a certain amount of stock, and then they'll solicit additional supply from peer to peer. And then over time, they could potentially reduce or even eliminate their own supply in a marketplace and replace it with the peer to peer supply. So it's kind of a way that some companies could hack that. It sounds like we've got you know, really similar goals in mind with, um, you know, from the rental side and the sharing side, if rental uh, sharing economy marketplaces wanted to find out more about rental and the American Rental Association itself, how can they find out? And, you know, what's your, um, yeah, what's your online presence or what do you do to, um, to educate, I suppose? Yeah, of course. So uh, we have a website, ARARental.org. Uh, they can certainly find a lot of free resources there. They can always reach out to me. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, the rental industry is very much a community. We love to talk rental. Um, so even if you go down and talk to your local rental store, uh, they'd probably be interested in what you're doing and interested in talking to you about how you might do it versus how they might do it. And an example of, of that, that that I think would be interesting for a lot of people getting into the sharing economy is how important that first user experience is. You know, when, when a customer is not used to sharing or renting something, there's some education that happens and there's a experience that needs to happen the first time. It needs to be a really high quality experience. And an example of that that I might give from my own life is um, I, I rented a forklift to a customer and the customer called me and they were super unhappy, cussed me up and down, told me it was the worst forklift that they had ever used. And don't ever send me that forklift again. Oh, wow. Um, and unbeknownst to them, it was actually getting ready to go through refurbishment, which for us, because we tend to carry young equipment, um, was really just a, a paint job, maybe replacing the seat, um, adding some extra grease, although we do that normally anyway. Uh, it was very minimal. Um, it, it, was, it was more like a makeover. Uh, unfortunately, I accidentally rented that exact same forklift to a customer a few weeks later, and he called me, and I was terrified uh, because I, I had sent him the same forklift that he told me to never send him to again. Very oh, clearly. No. And he called me to tell me how amazing the forklift was and how he was so glad that I sent him that one and not the, the piece of junk. He used a more colorful word there. Piece of junk that I sent him last time and that this one works so well. Amazing. Um, and so I think, you know, examples like that are good things that uh, people who are doing sharing can take into account that the way that it looks, the experience that you're getting up front, and that could be the, the website experience, the handoff experience, the shipping experience, that, that initial kind of what the customer sees, what it looks like, what the packaging is like, what the experience, the handoff is like, I think really sets the tone for everything else that's going to happen. Because if they have a great experience that first time, you know, we both know rentals are repeat business. It creates subscription revenue. It creates repeat revenue. And so that first experience is just so critical that it goes well and they have a good experience and they come back to you next time and say, hey, here's my project. What do you have? Or here's the kind of things that I'm interested in renting or sharing. What do you have? Um, and that really, once you can get a customer to that point, it really kind of blows the doors open on what else that you can provide for them. That's amazing advice, Josh. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been a fascinating discussion and I, I hope we can um, get involved in future marketplace risk events, both live and virtual. Absolutely. Thanks, Al. 
Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. Be sure to check us out at marketplacerisk.com for information and resources to help startups launch, grow, and succeed. And follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk to stay up to date on all of our conferences, summits, virtual events, and more.